often do you compromise on what you want? Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And with my girlfriends, sometimes I have this expression of, I've been having a conversation with you in my head all day. It's something that I say to people when I know I haven't like caught up with them in a while and I have all these things that I'm kind of accumulated to say. And I feel like I need to talk to my listeners on the show today and say, I've been having a conversation with you in my head all weekend. So I wanted to talk to you about some thoughts I've been having and observations I was making about the compromises we don't realize we're making. That sometimes habitually, we give ourselves away, we give our time away, we give our boundaries away, we give our preferences away, but we do it so automatically, so naturally, that we don't even realize we're doing it until we do a gut check and ask ourselves that. And that's what I'm going to be doing with you today. I'm going to guide you through a list of questions to kind of gut check yourselves on to see where you might be compromising, giving yourselves away, and settling for less than you want and less than you deserve. And the examples for how this conversation started in my head is so random, and I'm hoping you'll be able to follow the train of thought because it's certainly first world problems. But it started with me getting a jigsaw puzzle. And it's, I know it sounds so silly just saying it. I just heard myself say that out loud and go, really? You're giving this as the example? But yes, really, I'm giving this as the example. So here's the thing. I've always loved doing jigsaw puzzles. I have loved doing them since I was a kid. And growing up, my stepmother always had a table out in the house with a puzzle and we would all work on it. And it was one of those things where you'd pass the table, you might put together a couple of pieces or she, my sister and I would spend an hour or two all working on it, but we always had a puzzle going. And that was like right up until we went to call. I went to college really. And then when I went to college, jigsaw puzzles kind of gotten forgotten about because they they take up a lot of space in a dorm room, right? Like they don't fit very easily. I remember at one point putting one on a poster board and trying to slide it under my bed, but under the bed storage came at a premium price when you're in college and it didn't work out. So I kind of abandoned it. And I remember telling myself, when I get my first apartment, I cannot wait to have a puzzle out again. And then I get my first apartment. And the darn thing is, of course, because, you know, your first apartment out of college is so darn small, it just doesn't fit. Um, and then the same thing with my second, um, apartment that I moved to. And each time I would have like a travel case for these puzzles, which by the way, if you don't have room and you love doing puzzles, there are these awesome storage cases that keep your pieces totally flat. And I could work on the puzzle from time to time and put it behind a dresser, but I digress. So my first two apartments, I couldn't have one. And then I moved in with my husband and because of his wheelchair, chair that takes up a lot of space and needs a lot of floor space, even though we had a larger place. We didn't have room for a table where a puzzle could be because then the wheelchair can't get around. And the same thing happened with our condo. So for years and years and years, it was just the thing that I had my puzzle that I was working on in a storage container and I would pull it out when I had time. But you can't do the like the five minute visits to the puzzle for a quick piece here or there. You just had to know you were going to work on 
on it for an hour. And recently, just this weekend, I bought myself a table. And don't ask me why it took me from February until April to finally do this, because our house has enough space for the wheelchair, a puzzle table, and anything else we want because we haven't bought any furniture for it yet. Um, and I bought myself a table, and I bought myself a puzzle, and I can't even begin to describe the peace that came over me. The sense of almost like coming home in a way, like coming back to me and who I am and how I move through the world. A sense of relaxation. When I uh, worked at the residential treatment program for adolescent kids, one of the things that we taught them was this idea of self-control strategies. Things that when you're really amped up, when you're angry, when you're agitated, you're feeling upset, you can do to calm yourself down. And for short, we called them SCSs. And I was realizing as I was doing the jigsaw puzzle in my own perfect space with good lighting and lots of room. Like, wow, like this is such an SCS for me. Sort of in this weird parallel process, um, my husband has gotten into grilling because since we've been together, we've never lived in a place that allows a grill. We just like, it's just like apartments and condos typically in Boston. There's a lot of fire hazards obviously associated with them. So you can't do it. So we haven't been able to own a grill in our entire adult lives. And uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, he finally, after <laughs> weeks and weeks and hours and hours and books and books, he poured over recommendations and finally picked the grill that he wanted. And for the past couple of weekends, he's been grilling and he said, Hey, like, what do you want to grill up this weekend? We started to plan it. He was pouring over recipes, looking up indirect heat, direct heat, what type of temperature he needed, if we needed wood chips, all kinds of things. And he was so in his element. He was so lit up by it, so excited. Because if you think about it too, from a wheelchair perspective, kitchen stoves just really are not naturally accessible. And they they can kind of become risky because he has to reach up and over to get to a burner. And as we redesign the house, we're going to shift that for him. But we've always lived in homes where working on a stove is is just a little bit hazardous and not really enjoyable. Like that, like that's really what it comes down to is you have to pay so much attention to what you're doing and being careful not to burden yourself that cooking isn't really fun. And he was so lit up for the past several weekends of just getting to be like man and grill. And then it kind of continued again. And guys, I know this is like first world examples, but I hope you'll stick with me so you can just kind of see the process and engage in this conversation with me. So then I was heading grocery shopping on Sunday. And one of the things that I love to do, I'm obsessed with, it's a good thing I'm a podcast host because I am obsessed with podcasts. I love them. And I had the old, um, up until a couple of weeks ago, I had like the old iPhone 6 with only 16 gigs gigabits of storage. So I was constantly getting storage warnings and I couldn't store a lot of podcasts on my phone at the time. So now I have like the new iPhone 8 and I got the extra storage. So I don't have to worry about it. Um, and I had all these podcast episodes I hadn't gotten to listen to. And I was heading to the grocery store and I had this thought before and I've had it, you know, several times, I guess, over the years since I've gotten into podcasts that like while I'm doing grocery shopping, it would be so nice if I could just listen to a podcast. But I never go to the grocery store and see a lot of people wearing headphones. So I created a story about that 
that it was rude, that it would seem impersonal, unfriendly. Since I've been in California, I'm always saying, well, you got to meet new people somehow and somewhere. And when you work from home, it just might happen at the grocery store. And so I keep talking myself out of using the hour that I take grocery shopping to listen to podcasts. And yesterday, for whatever reason, probably because I was in a good mood, I was having such a good weekend, I was looking forward to our grilling adventure. I was just like, F it, I'm going to listen to my podcast. And I caught up on like two of my shows that I've been wanting to listen to. And it was just easy. And from what I can tell, I don't think I got any like dirty looks from anybody. Nobody seemed to see me as rude. Anytime I had to interact with anybody, I took the headphones off and put them away. So it wasn't like applying on any level that I couldn't be bothered having a conversation or an interaction. But I enjoyed it without worrying how people were going to perceive me, what people were going to think. And it was just really nice. And as I was like walking to my car, realizing I got two podcast episodes in at that time, I asked myself what took me so long. Why was I so worried all the time about what people would think or how I would be perceived or the impression I would make on people that I didn't do something as, like, as simple as that? Like, why did I deny myself that simple pleasure? So this series of observations just kept accumulating in my head. And again, guys, I was just talking to you all weekend. I don't know if you heard me or not. But in case you didn't, this is the conversation. And these are kind of the questions I want you to think about. And the first thing that I want you to kind of think about and do a gut check and an inventory. And I know most of you probably listen to me when you're in your car and all of that. So this might be one of those episodes where you have to go back and um, listen to me, God help me, on like double speed so you can just write down these questions. I heard somebody say that the other day, that they listened to my podcast on double speed, and I was like, I'm so sorry, that must sound horrible. But I do think that these are questions worth writing down and guiding yourself through. And then as you do it, add questions to the conversation that occur to you or that you start finding yourself thinking about. Because I really do think in small bits and pieces, we give ourselves away. And the first question I want you to ask yourself is, what are the simple pleasures you deny yourself and just check at the door? Little things that make you happy. Is it like a scented candle or good bath gel or um, clean sheets or, you know, your favorite snack on hand whenever you want it or your favorite morning juice um, or access to the podcasts you want to listen to when you want to listen to them. Like, what are the simple pleasures that light you up? And when do you let yourself have them? When do you ever prioritize making sure they're available and that you have access to them? What do you just give away without even realizing you've given it away? But if you got that simple pleasure back, it would mean everything. Sometimes it's going to be time to work out. Sometimes it's going to be your favorite meal, a good book, simply time to read a 20 minute span of time where you get to read. Um, for me, it is always, always a good cup of coffee in the morning. I start every day with a good cup of coffee. But what are the simple pleasures that 
that you just stopped letting yourself have. If it's going to your favorite gift shop or a bookstore to browse or taking the long way, that's more the scenic route. But just give this some thought for a second and think about the things that really are so simple, so cheap, so easy. But when was the last time you really let yourself have them, indulge and enjoy it? And when... And what would it take if you just allowed yourself to always have those things available? A lot of times people tell themselves a story like it would make them selfish or they're greedy or it's stupid, and they talk themselves out of simple pleasure. But again, if we use the thing I was talking to you about with the self-control strategy, an easy way to calm yourself down from upset is to have access to a simple pleasure. Beginning, middle, and end. You can keep it easy. The next thing I want you to start thinking about, and this can apply to you in your personal life or it can apply to you in your professional life, but how do people treat you? Do you make allowances for people for the wrong reasons sometimes? You know, I remember... um, I was thinking about this recently, like older relatives that I had who speak from like (laughs) a different time with lower tolerances and less acceptance for other people. And how often um, I would just let like ignorant, um, even racist comments kind of go by. And I would tell myself a story that they're older, they mean no harm by it. Um, You're not going to teach an old dog new tricks. But that kind of example, The number of times when people are inappropriate, offensive, rude, upsetting, how many times do you just let it go and you say, oh, that's just how Sally is, or there you go, there's George for you, but you don't actually feel right with it. The example with my relatives, I don't know that that's the best example because I kind of loved the heck out of them regardless of who they were, the silly things they would say, um, even the ones that came from a place of ignorance. But I do recognize that idea and that pattern of sort of making allowances where maybe allowances shouldn't be made. And I want you to think about that, like some sort of comment or, you know, way that somebody treats you or teases you or looks at you or speaks of you that just doesn't sit well. But because it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, because it's not this honking, glaring example of inappropriate behavior, you let slide which is fine one time, two times, but when you let something slide repeatedly that bothers you, that stirs you and creates a reaction in you, you're compromising yourself away. And you may look at that example, look at it in the eyes and stare at it and know that you're still choosing to compromise. I am so okay with that. I am fine with you going, yes, my uncle says racist things every holiday. Yes, my uncle is just horrible and he gets drunk and he has too many drinks and he says offensive things, but my mom really loves him and I'm, you know, I'm going to let this go. I am totally fine if you look at that situation, decide you want to make it a nice holiday for your mom and decide not to say something more often than I am with you constantly listening to this and then just letting it go without paying attention, without being mindful about whether or not you really can sit with this or whether or not this is time that you really need to say something. And, you know, and sometimes that 
holidays like this and times like this, like another example is, do you really say what you want when you're asked? And do you speak up if you don't want something or you disagree with something? I always say that this is a woman's, <laughs> a woman's disorder because I always used to see this in、um, my private therapy practice. Like women would just not speak their preferences. They, you know, everybody would want Chinese for dinner and they would hate Chinese because it gives them a headache. And they would just go and they would eat it anyway because they didn't want to go against the grain and tell people. People like, no, could we just do Mexican or pizza instead? Or all of their friends wanted to go to one restaurant, but the restaurant was super expensive. And instead of saying, like, hey, that doesn't work in my budget, they would go, but then just get a salad or not order a drink or do something rather than ask other people to accommodate for them. And I get that that kind of thing happens all the time in social interactions and in social relationships. But if you're not paying attention to it, If you're not being mindful about it, you're just giving yourself away over and over again. Your preferences, your sort of space in the world, if you think about it, if you think about somebody who goes to a restaurant they can't afford or goes to a restaurant that gives them a headache, they've given themselves away and they've compromised a piece of themselves for the group or to not be difficult. And that That compromise, when you make it repeatedly, starts to become a story you tell yourself about yourself, about who you are, what you deserve, and how you move through the world. So much so that it becomes a habit and you don't even realize you're doing it. And an example, and I'm sorry if I've repeated myself, if everybody in my personal life knows that I repeat my stories all the time. And I can't remember if I told you guys this example. So bear with me if it's To repeat, but I remember the first winter I took my husband adaptive skiing.、Um, he was a nervous pain in the ass about the entire thing. I can't even, like, I wrote an article about it. If you guys want to Google it, I'm sure you can find it. But、um, he was just the biggest pain in the ass on the planet about it. He was anxious and irritable, and he was just so sure none of it was going to work. And I was like a Mexican jumping bean dancing all around him, desperate, desperate, desperate. For it to work for him. So he had just had like a lunch break and he was about to go out on the mountain. And I'm giving him his coat. And if you think about it for a second, how you can put on a winter coat if you're sitting in a chair. Like I have to give you the, the sort of visual there. So imagine yourself putting on a big puffy winter ski jacket sitting in a chair. It's a little complicated because what you end up doing is putting the, 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 like, basically, the, the back of the chair is on your back, and you end up putting the coat over the back of the chair, and you can't take the chair with you. So, that's what the situation my husband was in、um, as he was getting ready to head out to the mountain. He was sitting in his wheelchair. He had to put on his winter coat. And so, I was behind him, helping him, making sure that the coat was on his back. He wasn't putting the coat on the back of the wheelchair. I hope now you can get the image. And this woman comes up to me, and it was an adaptive ski school, so everybody there. Was used to disability, and all of the able bodied people were used to helping people with disability. And the woman said to me, Careful, honey, right there. Be sure you want to do that. Because if you don't want to do it, you can't build the habit. Otherwise, you will be helping that man put on his coat for the rest of your life. 
he needs to figure this one out. And I was like, to this day, I am so grateful to that woman because I can't tell you how many times before we went skiing that winter, I did exactly that in the house before we left anywhere. I was helping him put on his coat like a mom and I never paid attention to it. It just seemed like what was necessary. I made the assumption of what he would need and the level of help that he would require and I sort of exaggerated it and I offered more help than was actually needed and I was setting myself up for a lifetime of putting on that man's coat. If she hadn't said something, I really do honestly think I'd still be doing it. Thank God we moved to California. (laughs) We don't wear a lot of coats here. But you see what I'm saying? I didn't even pay attention. It felt at the time like an easy give and a thing I could just do. But then when I really looked at it, I was like, oh my God, like, yeah, this is, this is too much to do for the rest of my life. I'm checking out of this. And yes, you're right. He needs to learn how to do this himself. But how many things in your life do you just do, take on, say yes to that you don't even realize you're doing it until you've given yourself away and you're wondering why you didn't have time to read or when you could take a bath or why you didn't get to go to bed 20 minutes early when you were feeling so tired or you didn't have time for that glass of wine at the end of the day or to catch up on your TV show because you just gave yourself away. I feel like so much... When we talk about compromise, we talk so much about someone made us mad or we really disagreed and we wanted X to happen, but instead Y happened. So we just went along with it. I actually think the more dangerous compromises, the more concerning compromises are the ones we don't even realize we're making. So one of the things too is, you know, when you look at that, Are you on your own to-do list? Because in that example with the coat, my coat wasn't on and I had to go on the mountain. I didn't have my gloves on, but he had his hat, his scarf, his gloves because it's a mom thing. I'm not a mom, but with disability, I often felt like I was a mom until I learned how to kind of let go and let him struggle and let things be a little bit harder. But in that moment... I just, like, I was never on the to-do list. I never had my scarf on first. My hands were always cold. Um, Those kinds of things. I want you to walk yourself through that. And see, when you think of the caretaking responsibilities you have, the responsibilities maybe like in your job even, because again, I think this conversation is universal, that you can examine this from your personal life for yourself, or you can examine it from your professional life for yourself. But either way, look at the things you do for other people, and are you on your own list? Because oftentimes, you don't even realize you've taken yourself off until you're stressed until you're overwhelmed, until you're feeling burdened. And then resentment starts to kick in. And a good way to avoid resentment is to make sure you are always on your own list. That the things you care about, the things that matter to you, they may not get, you may not get to have them every day. Like I actually, um, I think the word privilege sometimes is overused, but I really do think it's a privilege on my part that I get to have a good cup of coffee every day, that I have a pot of French press and I actually have the 15 minutes it takes to make a full pot of French press coffee before I start my day, because I know that a lot of people don't have that luxury. Um, But that idea is, like, I'm aware of it. I know that it's something that makes me sort of start my day in a really peaceful way 
nurturing, soothing kind of way. So I allow myself to have it. I would encourage you to think about how often the things that do feel soothing and calming, do you take off your to-do list because other things become more important. The other thing I want you to start to look at is your free time. How often do you say yes to things that are going to eat up the precious few hours a week where you're not expected to do household chores or work chores, but you actually can have time to live? And how often do you just give that away? I see this. I have a friend of mine who does this all the time. She's a working mom. She has a daughter in elementary school and she is constantly go, 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 busy, busy, busy. And then suddenly I go over to her house and there's a pile of crap in her car. And I'm like, what is going on in the backseat of your car? And she's like, oh, so-and-so had a yard sale. They didn't sell everything. I, you know, I live near the, um, you know, the, the donation pile thing. So when I went to her house, she just asked me if I would mind taking the rest of the stuff and donating it. And that example is so small, but I could multiply the number of times this woman says yes and gives up her free time. So when she has a spare hour to actually just play with her daughter or, you know, sit and have a nice leisurely lunch with her husband or, you know, a coffee date with me or something, she's busy running around or taking on three extra kids just because it'll be fine. Her daughter needs playmates she can work, they can entertain themselves, blah, blah, blah. But the number of times she says yes, and then she wonders why she doesn't have any time for herself. I want you to think about how often do people ask for a favor or simply ask you to social things that you don't want to do. Um, that, <laughs> I don't have that problem so much in California now that all my friends and family are back east. But the number of times it's like, oh, really? Like, you're invited to do something, you feel like a jerk if you don't go, but it really doesn't interest you, or you don't want to go to the, like, fourth children's birthday party in the past, you know, two months or something, but you feel obligated. You don't want to be rude. You don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. You don't want to disrespect family. Like, you can figure out all the different reasons, but the reasons we say yes to things we don't want to do out of a sense of obligation it's my argument here that you need to prioritize those. That if you're always saying yes when you mean no, you're never going to have any time for yourself. And some things absolutely positively are going to be important. Some things are just going to be non-negotiable. And even if you don't want to do them, you're going to have to do them. But you have to do a gut check and kind of an inventory about how many of those things is that true for? And is it really true for everything? Or can you perhaps learn to live with the discomfort of saying no so you can have those precious few hours back? So you have a Saturday afternoon where you could spend in your garden or you could do the spring cleaning in your closet that you've been wanting to do or you can drive up the coast or you can, you know, fill in the blank. The thing that's going to give you pleasure, the thing that's going to feel like it's giving you some air and some life and some breath because that's where you're losing it to. You're 
losing it to the things that you say yes that should be a no. And your free time is precious and valuable. And you have to be mindful about who you give it away to and how often you give it away for things that you don't even want to do. Now, this reminds me of something and it's, I was debating with myself before I recorded this episode because on some level, this feels like a whole episode unto itself. But if I leave this out, I do think that the discussion is going to feel unfinished with me. So I'm thinking in particularly about women I used to work with in my brick and mortar private therapy practice. Women who would be hanging on to men that treated them badly. Um, partners that cheated on them or partners that like didn't do what they were going to say or were inconsistent, but just not good boyfriends or good husbands. And I would think about the number of allowances these really otherwise high-functioning women would make for these men. And one of the things that I would constantly say is this single line. I would look her in the eye and I would say, why does he get to have you? Why does he get to have a piece of you? How has he earned this? And I would force them to answer. Because so often these women were giving themselves away to men who have not earned the trust, who did not deserve the time spent on them, and who were offering so little back. And I don't think this is just a toxic relationship thing, even though that's the example I'm giving you here. I actually think that this becomes a habitual way we move through the world in personal relationships. And sometimes I hear people talk about this in terms of parents. Sometimes I hear about it in terms of their friends. Sometimes I hear about it in terms of coworkers. But like people in our life who get pieces of us, time with us, relationships with us, Connections with us who have done nothing to earn it and have usually at this point added a couple of things to break it down and tear it apart. If you have someone in your life who gets your time, who gets your precious free time, who gets your attention, who gets your thought and consideration, and they have not earned it or they don't deserve it, it is a gigantic gigantic compromise you're making that's going to suck the oxygen from everything else. And everything I've listed so far, every other part of this discussion, you are just going to feel more intensely, more completely, more sort of overall in your day to day. It's going to be like an umbrella that covers you and carries you or a gray cloud that you're constantly walking under. Because when somebody gets to have you, a piece of you gets to have access to you and they don't treat you well and they don't respect you or they simply, they're not mean, they're not jerks, but they don't offer you anything. They're just kind of a dead weight or they're chronically grumpy or they're, you know, chronically unhappy and they get this time with you, you have got to ask yourself why. 
and ask yourself, like, what do you get out of it? What is the cost? And do you still choose that cost? Now that you've slowed down and looked at the discussion and looked at like the example and see whether or not this person really deserves a seat at your table. Or, you know, I have this friend who used to give me this example and I love it. It's like our, um, our French, our, let me start over. Our, our front porch friends, our kitchen friends, and our bedroom friends. The idea that there's different levels of access to us. You can talk to me on my front porch, you can talk to me in the kitchen, or you can talk to me in the bedroom. And I think sometimes we give too many people access to our kitchens and bedrooms who haven't earned it, who don't offer us a lot, who don't bring anything more to the table that make the time and investment worthwhile. But are your front porch people on the front porch where they're supposed to be? And are your kitchen people at the kitchen where they're supposed to be, etc.? I would do a little bit of an inventory because too often what happens is it gets too hard, too uncomfortable, too awkward to tell people you only want them on the front porch and they end up in your kitchen or God forbid your bedroom. So you want to pay attention to that and be mindful about who you're keeping connected to you, who you're keeping close to you, and that people who haven't earned a spot closer to you don't get it. Otherwise, you're giving away your value. It's like you're giving away your best stuff for free, really. And that doesn't work. And that's where, again, like I said earlier, that resentment kicks in, the unhappiness kicks in. So you really, you want to do a gut check with yourself. And then as you're doing that, (laughs) as you're thinking about relationships, I want you to think about this idea of whether or not you're avoiding hard talks or potential conflicts. How often do you let like low level, I'm not talking about the huge honking errors that I'd smack you upside the head if you, you know, acknowledged and, you know, sort of agreed to, but the, the subtle things that just bother you, you know, at work, it may be that like, you're always the person who's refilling the copy paper, or you're always the one who's cleaning the coffee pot, or you're always the one who's remembering everybody's birthdays. And in your personal life, it might be, you know, um, <laughs> let's see, I'm trying to think in your personal life what I'm talking about, but like somebody who's hurt your feelings or somebody who um, hasn't sort of done their end of their relationship, you know, like you're doing all the calling, you're doing all the reaching out and they don't show up. But the things that are low level bothering you that you don't speak up about, because I think that when we, when we skip our conversations, we make that a habit. It becomes the new body memory of, oh, that's going to be too long, or oh my God, I'm going to say this to this person and she's going to be so offended. It's going to turn into a two-hour conversation. It's best not to have it. But it becomes the way you move through the world. Somebody annoys you and you pipe down, bite your tongue and move on and skip it because it's not worth saying something. But if you do that for two or three people, if two or three people periodically irritate you or periodically step on your feelings, that starts to grate on you. That starts to gnaw at you and it eats away at things. And you have to know that, be aware of it. And sometimes again, you are going to, you know, recognize 
that um, you're compromising and you get enough out of it that you um, suck it up. But then at other point in time, you're going to say, no, enough's enough. I, As I tell you this, it, I'm remembering at my old gym. Um, I loved my old gym. Um, my best friend was there at, you know, when we were, it was a multi, um, it was a martial arts gym. So I went several times a week at the highlight of it. I was like training six days a week. Um, I'm not in that kind of shape anymore, I wish. Um, but uh, there were different classes every day. So I would go six days a week and I really loved my Thursday class. It was a kick-ass workout. It was so challenging and the members in it were so fun that I would sort of skip and allow for the fact that the instructor never showed up on time. And I am so hoping he's not listening to this podcast right now. Um, but um, he just was always late. Every week he was late. And at first I would tease him about it. And other times like I'd be like, dude, I really need you to come on time. Um, but I kept letting it go. And at some point in time, I was able to own and recognize that I was kind of starting every Thursday grumpy because he was late, but then would end the class on time. And it was not a cheap gym. So I would be like this low level irritated. I would tell other people about it, but I never formally complained to the gym because I liked the guy and I knew he was well-intentioned. He just lived forever away and had to um, fight through Boston traffic to get to us. But one Thursday, it was freezing cold. And because he was late, the gym wasn't opened and we were all waiting outside for him for 25 minutes. Now, I was going to leave at like 15 minutes and then I was like, you know, chewing the shit with people and I never got out the door uh, out from outside under the like the awning where the door was. And by that time he had showed up. So I did the class, but that was my last class with him. Like I left that class so pissed off because he showed up 25 minutes late and still ended on time that I was just like, I'm not doing this again because he's not respecting my time. He's not respecting the commitment he made to the gym. The gym isn't holding him accountable to showing on time because when we all buzz in, they can see that we're not buzzing in for a seven o'clock class until 725. I just walked away from it and that I never had the conversation. And then I bumped into him at the gym and then I had to have the hard conversation and say, listen, yeah, I stopped coming to your class, dude, because you were late all the time. And it just felt really disrespectful. And I didn't like starting my day that way. And I started to have that conversation then. But if you are allowing something like that to go on on a repetitive basis with someone who's, you know, he was a front, <coughs> excuse me, he was a front porch person. He wasn't that far in. So, but if you're doing this with people in your personal life or at work that you have to see over and over again, you want to do a gut check about the potential conflicts you're avoiding and the potential hard conversations you're having. Because I missed out on that class. And I kind of do think I, if I had said at the end of the class, hey, God, hey, hey man, like, I love your class, but I'm not going to come anymore if you just can't get here on time. I wish I found out because I missed out on months of Thursday classes before I moved. But I think sometimes we do that. We don't want to make somebody feel bad. We don't want to have that weird, awkward conversation. So we just skip it. But doing that as a habit becomes the way we move through the world. And again, we're just giving ourselves away and giving ourselves away again. And then, you know, the next thing I want you to start thinking about is your goals. 
And this is another piece where I was like, is this the own podcast, its own podcast episode? Is this appropriate to this discussion? But I really do think it is. Um, and I'm going to use weight loss as an example, probably because I was just talking about the gym and I'm trying to lose weight that I've gained. But the number of times people have a goal like losing weight and they say to themselves, they're going to get up early and they're going to exercise and they're going to move more and eat less. or They're going to do this program or they're going to do that program. And then it gets hard to take care of their program and their goals and the things that they're working on while also feeding the kids or while helping the, you know, husband get off to work or, you know, while you're managing a job that requires more travel or fill in the blank to the obstacles. There's so many things that can get in the way of a good diet and eating right consistently and regular consistent exercise. And I think I see this so often. I used to, I see it certainly a lot more in my therapy practice. It's not really, it doesn't come up often when I'm doing business mindset coaching, but the idea that like, it just is too hard to have a separate menu because the kids aren't going to like what you like, or you're so tired because the three-year-old never went to bed last night and you don't want to get up at six o'clock in the morning before the three-year-old gets up or five o'clock probably is more realistic in that example. Um, so you decide to sleep in and you don't exercise. But the things that you want, that you make allowances for, and why they can't happen, or why they shouldn't happen. I want you to do a little bit of an inventory um, of goals. Maybe you just want to go back to your New Year's resolutions if you made them, or if you're in business and you're thinking about your Q2 goals for April and the next couple of months. Like, what are things that you said you wanted? Um, things that you were working on, um, things you wanted to achieve, something that was important to you, that because something else was more important to someone else, you just gave away or you let go or you put off for another week. Um, one of the examples I have is I, you know, I just mentioned I've always belonged to a gym for the past three or four years. I, we're a one car family right now. Um, getting a license in California is proving to be quite difficult. So I just got mine. Now my husband has to get his, but since we're now a one car family, I drive him to work and I didn't want to have to schedule getting him to work, picking him up from work, my own job plus a gym class. So I've opted to do um, workouts at home for the next couple of months until we can get him settled and get him his own car. That's a mindful compromise. I knew it when we moved that that was going to be the plan and that's how we were going to operate. So it doesn't feel like it drains me because I've accommodated it. But I see so many people who have these things that they care about or things that they're import are important to them that they just kind of give away because it's too inconvenient to problem solve around or to tell somebody no they can't because they have to do this thing that's important to them instead if you have goals, things you want to work on that you've let go, I really would like you to do an inventory and to look at what you would need to do and what it would take to get back on track. This is a crucial conversation compromise. Um, those of you who know me and know my business well know the tagline. You choose what you want or you choose to compromise on what you want. That's the conversation I started with you today. Where are you choosing the compromise? Where are you disengaging from your own life, 
from your own goals, your own wants, wishes, the things that are important to you? And when are you just not showing up for yourself and you're taking yourself off your list? It could be something as dumb and as stupid as the jigsaw puzzle I started this conversation with, or it could be something of more prominent significance. Only you're going to know that. But I'd really appreciate it if you found some time to walk yourself through these questions, do that inventory, and make a plan so you can get back to choosing what you want. Thanks so much for joining me today. I loved having this conversation. I certainly hope you found it valuable. Um, I don't think you're going to find me on the mic tomorrow. I do believe I'm going to miss an episode with you tomorrow. I haven't... um, been able to pre-record yet for tomorrow. I had been hoping to, but I have a busy day and I don't think I'm going to get a podcast episode in. So I'll be seeing you in two days from now. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Bye for now.